Before we begin, a note of warning. The language used and the topics explored in this podcast are not suitable for listeners younger than 18. Your discretion is advised. From the Spade and Archer Studios, welcome to Behind the Yard Sign, the podcast that pulls back the curtain to reveal the real world of real estate with your hosts, Justin M. Reardon and Amy Romberg. Amy. Justin. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm going to just launch right into something because I've just been carrying it since yesterday. And I was like, unload uh, it, girl. Unload it. (laughs) Give it to me. (laughs) Just how sometimes I feel like this business is like just crisis management all the time. Like, I mean, even when things are smooth, you're always sort of like, ah, what's going to happen next? Yes. Yes. And some of them are self-created. I I would like to own that. I mean, we are all human, as someone once told me. I think I've shared that story on this podcast, but um, I just had this experience yesterday of, uh, this is totally related to your team, by the way, so that's part of why I wanted to carry it around and, and bring it back here. So I have had this little listing, amazing, amazing offer, like blew my clients' minds. It's sort of life-changing for them. They're a young couple moving from their first home into a house that has just a little bit more space for kiddo and maybe kiddos, and um, so they just got this remarkable offer uh and your team did a stunning job staging okay you've got it you've got a client they listed it we staged it they got a hot offer and they got an amazing offer they haven't closed yet right no, 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 okay. no. So they, like two days in, they got this amazing offer. So the, the whole process was just like, I mean, your team did such a beautiful job. They walked over there and they were like, why didn't we live like this? And, you know, all of this stuff. <laughs> so things, yes. it just totally, yes, it totally blew their mind. And so yesterday, we're supposed to close Monday. It's a ca- It was a cash offer, so it go- was going pretty quickly. And at some point yesterday, I was like, huh, <gasps> staging. I forgot to, <laughs> I forgot <laughs> I uh, I had been in charge of staging on this one, and I completely, a hundred percent, forgot to schedule a D stage. And so I frantically call your team, Wait, and, I, and then I today is Thursday, your and you're closing yes. when Monday. Oh, okay, Monday. And we don't work on Fridays, so yeah, <laughs> you know, fantastic. whatever, yeah. no big deal, no big deal. So I'm like frantically calling. I'm dropping, you know, f bombs in my messages. I'm apologizing. I am like saying, you know, I will pay the stupid agent mess up fee like what can, who can who can help me here that's section d um, uh, yes. uh ix5 of the contract is the stupid agent yes. fee yeah 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 when you really i mean i just took complete responsibility for the whole thing i'm like having a heart attack because i just don't want anything to jeopardize this whole situation and like within 15 minutes bay has called me back and she's like oh you know we've got you in and they were going to get me in today but unfortunately we're also have some <laughs> significant yard work going on. Oh. We're dealing with a cesspool. And so I was like, okay, maybe not today. So not only did she solve my problem, but then I had to say, okay, do you have any other days? <laughs> I had to be high maintenance <laughs> about it. <laughs> hey, thanks for getting that um, solved within 24 hours. But yes. how about another but time? But that doesn't yeah. work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. wait, um, let's go back to the cesspool because <laughs> I've heard of oh cesspools God. like referred to people's like dirty minds or like, you know, bad situations. <laughs> is a cesspool yes. like a real thing? What What is a cesspool? It is. A cesspool is is sort of the old version of a septic. They are, in my experience, I'm going to start this okay, off by yes, saying yes. that I am not a cesspool expert. <laughs> so if anybody's <laughs> listening, please do your own research. I kind of wish you um, were a cesspool expert because that's what I want to be someday. Yeah, that would be my side my side hustle. I mean, it's just basically what we used to have uh, for the poop. Mm. Uh, so <laughs> usually they're they're concrete or brick, and they're holes in the ground. They are usually 
10 feet, this much I do know, they are generally speaking at least 10 feet from where the house was built. And okay. that's where that's where the poop went. And the bottom was usually open. So it just sort of like slowly filled, leaches and into then, the ground. Yes, absolutely. And probably makes our plants grow big and strong. It's like um, a big bowl full of and nastiness. Yes. Yeah. A colander yes. and I, full of nastiness. Yeah, that's, okay. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, and this house was really interesting because it wasn't, it was built in the um, 80s. And I was like, a cesspool? Why in the world would there be a cesspool there? But this I did learn. In Portland, apparently there's just tremendous variety in terms of when actual sewer lines, like city sewers, were present in different areas of the city at different times. And apparently in southeast Portland, there was an area that really didn't get connected to city sewer lines until like late 80s, early 90s. I think it was like the... Yeah, I've learned a lot. Yeah. (laughs) I've learned a whole lot. And did we... And we got you taken care of. We're going to get you de-staging oh my gosh. for the close. Yes, you're de-staging. Oh. You're de-staging on the day we're closing, and it is perfect. And I, yeah. <laughs> Awesome. I just feel like I should send donuts or flowers or something. <laughs> I just was so grateful. Everybody was so gracious and kind. And my, my stress level went down significantly within the period of like an hour. Good. So, good. Yes. Our whole thing is that we try to do exceptional home staging made easy. Yeah. That's the whole thing. Yeah. And for a long time, it was really, really difficult to work with us or any other home staging company because there's so much back and forth that has to happen. It seems so simple. Put furniture in a house. <sighs> like this is just a very in- simple concept. But yeah. It, it proves to be very difficult unless you have some kind of a system in place, right? I mean, it's interesting that you bring that up because I have recently had the experience. So obviously with clients as agents, we give them options. We're not making decisions for our clients. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm paying for the staging, then I'm making that decision. But if they're paying for the staging, which most of the time my clients are interested in willing to pay for the staging. Right. So I'm, you know, this is who I primarily work with. This is who I've had, you know, great experiences with. And in this particular situation, I have some clients who... This is a a different, a different project. Totally different project. They are interested in checking out a, another company. And I, I do have to say that my experience with trying to get the sort of initial visit scheduled. Yeah, to try and get a price. Yeah. Deepened my appreciation for the 15 seconds it takes when I do an instant price. <laughs> Uh, online. So thank you for making that so easy. I mean, I think I haven't been in this business forever. And, and, you know, with the exception of a couple projects where we, we were working during COVID, where we were working in somebody's house with somebody living there, I think you folks have done all my staging. And so I just really haven't had the experience of doing this a lot in it, trying to manage that because there's just been a lot of back and forth and changing of schedules and, you know, late notice on things. And I I get it. Like, it's hard. It's hard work, but it just made me deeply grateful for the what your system is. We've always had people call us up and like, hey, we've got a client, they want to use somebody else. You know, we don't want you to feel bad if you see my listing and it has somebody else's project in, this is what's going on. It's the the brother-in-law of this person or whatever. And I'm like, fine, no problem. And what's great about it is that if you need a check number, if you need somebody to be like, hey, let's at least check to see what their pricing is like, you can go on our system and in five minutes you can get a check number. It doesn't waste any of our time, doesn't waste any of your time. (laughs) You know, and if you come back and you say, we just couldn't get these people to show up at our house. And I've had that happened before where we get calls gosh during the busy season we get calls probably three or four times a week where a client says we scheduled a home stager they're supposed to come tomorrow 
they called us this morning and said we're out of furniture or uh-huh. we were supposed to have a home stager here today they just didn't show up or we've been trying to get this home stager to give us a price for three weeks they won't do it we're supposed to be on the market next week can you please help us and sometimes yeah. we can but generally we're booked yeah. out like two weeks in advance I, I feel so sorry for them you know in real estate there is a it's not very high but there is a certain threshold which you must overcome you have to pass a test to become a real estate agent yeah. there is nothing that you have yeah. to pass to become a home stager you're like literally all you yeah. have to say is i'm a home stager and boom you're a home stager like it's yeah. done so yeah. it's it's one of those things where there's a there's a very wide variety of professionalism out there and yeah. you know when i first started this gig there were 65 home stagers in portland i started in portland there were 65 home mm-hmm. stagers in portland the recession started in 2007 by the end mm. of that recession there were 16 home stagers in portland so it went from 65 down to 16 in about a year and a half, two years. You know, we're starting to see um, interest rates going up, yeah. which has, has not happened in a long time. We are starting to see inflation started to happen with like gasoline prices. We're starting to see prices on everything starting to go up. All of that is indicative of an economy that is starting to slow down. And so yeah. my question to you is, what are agents supposed to do to prepare themselves for a time when money's not going to be quite as easy as it has been in the past? Yeah. Like, what, what, are you, what are you doing to prepare? I mean, I think that's a great question. I feel like that is a question that I'm like almost ill-equipped to answer, feeling like I'm just coming off of two years of like hot, hot, hot market trying to keep yeah. up with things. Yeah. I want to flip the question. Like, okay. you've been through this before. <laughs> I'm rubbing you, your glue. You were, <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I want to hear it because, I mean, I was really struck by the 65 stagers at the start of that and then moving it to, I mean, then then the decrease to 16 like how were you one of those 16 yeah like how what did you do in your business I mean I know you've got you've been working on systems for so long but like you know we were lucky we were first starting out and so we didn't have a humongous organization at that point uh so there were like three of us and Mm -hmm. so we were very very small we were working out of my house there wasn't a lot of overhead and so there wasn't a lot of expenditure that was going on that was the the big thing I think going into this one I think the best advice that I've ever heard is make hay while the sun is shining and (laughs) And the thing that's great about hay is that if you store it in a dry place, it lasts for a long, (laughs) long time. And so hay is a really good analogy for money in that, um, you know, now is not the time to go out and buy 15 more properties when everything is still crazy, duper expensive and the interest rates are super, duper high. Now is not a great time to go out and buy a yacht or to plan a worldwide vacation. Oh, Um, no yacht? This is not. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) I know. Come on. that yacht. <laughs> you know, taking and putting savings away. The thing about being a real estate agent is that there is no room for for expansion and contraction. So you're one person, you don't multiply up into five or six people and then shrink back down into one person. And so you always have one mouth to feed. You know, it's you and your family and, and that's really it. If you do have a licensed assistant or something like that, it's very easy to shrink a little bit down and be like, I don't need a licensed assistant so much anymore. Thank you so much. My company, we're 28 employees. 
it's very easy. Like, I mean, of course, layoffs suck. They're not fun. But it's very easy to say, okay, we're not 28 employees. Now we're 14 employees. And so reducing that level of work. We've gone through, we have tried to create systems that are more recession proof. So we have our guaranteed program when the economy is low, when people are, when things are not going great or when they're in the winter and people think that their houses are going to be on the market for a while and they don't have cash, we've got that guaranteed program, which is that 750 up front stage as long as you need to be staged and then pay us out of closing. Can we go through that again? Because I actually do want to remember that. Yeah. So you just pay the, I've never done that because obviously- You have needed to. That is <laughs> no. not designed for this economy. No, not at all. No, no. Um, we give the so price with every project. Yeah, yep. 750 down mm-hmm. and we stage the house, the whole thing. Uh, there's some priority preparations. You got to paint this wall. You got to change out that carpet, whatever it is. The, the lists are really small. Get the house ready for market. We want to try to put it out there as best we possibly can. And then we put it on and you make a three-month commit to us and mm-hmm. say, we're going to keep it staged for three months. If at the end of three months, if it doesn't sell, you can choose to keep going and nothing changes. Or you can say, we're done. And we take the furniture out, we give the 750 back. And so it's kind of this like no risk option that when we're yeah. in a really down economy, when people don't have cash up front, when people are stressed out, they are not looking for a lot of risk. This is a way to try to present your house as the best you can, to try to get the most money out of it as you can. And the guarantee program works really well. 98% of our houses sell. They all sell within the first three months. And so, yeah. yeah you know, it's it's a good deal if if you think your house is going to go on the market for a certain amount of time. We're actually revamping our pricing thing. So when you get your pricing letter, it will have an attachment to it. And then that attachment, it will actually have a graph that will show you the day that it makes more sense to go guaranteed than it does pay up front. And so it might be like day 62 or day 93. And if you feel like your house is going to be staged for more than 63 days, then you should go guaranteed. If you feel like your house is going to be staged less than 63 days, and I'm just saying 63 is like the whatever it is. The number, yeah. But basically the the pricing tool will do that calculation for you and it will tell you like this is the moment that it makes more sense to go guaranteed. How did you come up with the guaranteed? Like was was it thinking ahead? Was it thinking about? times when oh, the market wasn't so hot? I have a story for you. Um, so I joined this group called EO, Entrepreneurs Organization, which is a bunch of business owners. And I was listening to this guy tell a story and he owns a garage. Like he changed, he does oil changes and small repairs for cars. And he had gone to New Zealand um, and he had met this fella who was the water cooler king of New Zealand. Nobody had ever heard of like those big jugs that you put on the water cooler. Like at New Zealand, the, the show The Office was super popular and they're always talking about the water cooler. And so he decided to start this this business called Water Cooler Business and he would deliver water coolers to people in New Zealand which is known for very clean water, but people still got them because they'd seen them on TV. Well, he got to the point where he couldn't sell his business anymore. Um, he had bought all the trucks and he had all the people and it just couldn't get any larger because it just didn't make any more sense. And he sat down and he was like, I have to do something different. This isn't working. And what he decided to do was to scrap the whole water cooler thing and start installing water filters in people's faucets. Because people Mm. didn't really care about the water cooler itself. They just wanted clean water. And so he got rid of all of his trucks. He bought two Priuses. He filled them with water filters. (laughs) He charged the same subscription prices he charged for the water delivery. But instead of having 40 or 50 employees, he now had two employees charging the same amount of money. And as he's telling the story, they're on his like 50 foot yacht in the bay. (sighs) 
And so this guy, uh, Farhad with Green Shop Garage, he's here in town. He said, I should do that. Why? I should do something different. And so Farhad came back and he invented a process for, me for his garage that was a subscription service where you could pay 10 or 15 or $20 a month and they'll take care of your windshield wipers and all your fluids and your brakes and like all the stuff. And you just bring your car in as much as you want, no matter how much you use them, you pay the same price, which is different than any other garage service in the entire world. Well, I joined EO. Mm-hmm. And he told this at the first dinner. And I was like, I am so Boom. sick and yeah. tired of competing against homestagers who don't answer their phone, who don't do good job, who don't show up on time, who don't have enough furniture to stage their houses, but they charge less money than me. I'm so mm-hmm. tired of competing against them. There has to be a way that I can do this differently. And so I went to my thinking place, which is the bathtub. And I sat in my <laughs> bathtub for like three hours. And I did it for like two weeks. I sat in the bathroom three hours like every single day, just thinking about how we could do this differently. The structure that we came up with mirrors what a real estate agent does. You guys go in, Mm -hmm. you don't get paid anything, you work your butts off, and then you take a percentage of the sale price out of closing from escrow. And Mm -hmm. so I was like, oh, that totally makes sense. I could create this system that I could just take a percentage of closing. And I was like, how do I name this? And I came up with like Palladium and like the Black Club and like... (laughs) like Diamond Club and, you know, all these different names. And I was laying there and I was like, what makes this system special? And I was like, oh, it's guaranteed. And I was like, that's what the name is. And so the name was actually the hardest part to come up with this. And we sat down with a lawyer and we wrote a very complicated gymnastics-like contract that actually is quite elegant and quite simple once it was done. But getting our heads wrapped around it to actually write this contract because it's so completely different than any contract that we've ever used in home staging before. It was quite a challenge. So that's how we came up with Guaranteed. Um, and that's our little bit of recession proofness. Oh, so I love it. And I like the idea of, what is it? Making hay while the, say, while um, the sun while shines. While the sun is shining. What, yes. yes, yes. And the I mean, second half of that is store your hay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because when yeah, the sun's no, not shining, no it won't grow. Yeah, no yachts right yeah. now. Yeah, I do feel like everybody's getting just a little bit edgier. Everybody's like, hmm, what's coming next? What's coming next? So, so yeah. Scott Dickinson is in the green room. I was like, if you could do anything ever, what would you want? And he was like, it would have to be something that involves Ryan Reynolds, and I'd have to be at the beach. And I was like, oh, man, I don't think we can put a beach in the green room. Like, I know the green room is pretty fantastic, but that seemed like too much. So instead, we had a wave machine put in. And so uh, Ryan Reynolds is actually teaching Scott how to surf on the wave machine in the green room. Do you want to run back and get him or do you want me to? Absolutely. I'll be right back. That sounds amazing. Come on in. We're so glad to have you. And I I was watching and it seems like you were making amazing progress with your surfing lessons. Well, I had an amazing (laughs) coach. So (laughs) you did. You did. He was. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Mm-hmm. He was quite handsome. Trying to coordinate your schedules and Ryan Rennan's schedules were so hard because both of you were so busy. Um, happily adjust my calendar for Mr. Reynolds at any time. So I'm glad that we were able to make it out, make it work. Fantastic. Fantastic. So Scott, tell us how long have you been doing real estate? Yeah. So I have been in the real estate realm my entire professional career. So after graduating uh, law school in 2000, 
2006, I went into land use permitting and residential development. From there, moved into land use litigation uh, for uh, a short time, and then into working with distressed homeowners during the Great Recession, where oh, I helped because you graduated in 2006, like literally a year later, everything crashed. Everything crashed. It was a really interesting experience to go through professionally because I'm in the industry, and all yeah. of a sudden, it's like, oh shit, we're not building any new homes. We're not developing any more land because no one's buying houses. As that happened, I, I was able to affiliate with a law firm and, and help distressed homeowners. And it was an extremely rewarding period of my career. Oh, I bet. Yeah. What a richness to come from. Yeah, all these different perspectives. Yeah, yeah. So it's given me a really solid and firm footing for when I decided mm -hmm. to go into residential real estate sales. Mm -hmm. And I made that decision as the economy was recovering. We moved out of the Great Recession. I was at a pivot or fork in the road, I guess yeah. you could say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I had to decide, do I want to go master a new area of law or is it time for me to go and do something that I'm really passionate about. And <laughs> my husband and I were fortunate enough to be in a place financially where I could choose passion. And mm -hmm. uh, I went with it. And I started working here uh, in Seattle at the Capitol Hill branch of Coldwell Banker Bain. Mm -hmm. And I was there for five years. And then from there, I went into management for Bain and helped manage two of their branches up in South Snohomish County. That was a fast growth. Like you came in and you were like agent, now I'm managing broker. I would imagine that your law degree and background in real estate probably helped a say. lot with that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say that it distinguishes me from um, other professionals. That is lovely. It does distinguish you a lot, I bet. <laughs> the world's yeah. most qualified real estate agent ever. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, yes. that's one of the beautiful things about real estate is that you yeah. can have people with a GED or a JD, yeah. and they have to yeah. come together and work together in order to serve their clients. It's one of the great things yep. about this that this industry is it doesn't matter where you start start from where you end up can be similar. You're managing offices, then you decide to make a change recently. What was that change? I recently decided to go to work for Side. Side's a startup out of San Francisco. It is a real estate brokerage platform that helps top producing agents create and grow their own boutique business. It's a, it's a different model. It's not your traditional real estate brokerage. And that's what's really exciting about it. Yeah, it's almost mm -hmm. like a shopping mm -hmm. mall. And then there's like little stores within the shopping mall, but the mall does all the support around it. But then there's these little stores that are their own individual little businesses. That's a great analogy for it. Yeah, we provide all of the brokerage services that real estate professionals need in order to grow a business and to thrive. So all the back end stuff that no one really likes to, to do, right. which is really time consuming mm -hmm. and right. can be very expensive. But not only that, we have business managers who really dig into the business of these real estate professionals. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we have marketing and advertising uh, that really help drive growth. So it's this it's, it's really cool to be a part of something yeah. new and to help build it here in Washington. I subscribe to this program called EOS, which is Entrepreneurial Operating System. And they talk about the idea of the visionary and the integrator. Um, and the visionary is, I, I'm the visionary for my company. I'm the person who's like saying like, this is where we're going. And this is the innovations that we're going to have. And then I've got this guy, Cole, who's my integrator, who actually <laughs> takes all of my fantastic ideas and <laughs> makes them happen. 
And so what side is doing is like providing an integrator for all of these visionaries that are like, I love talking to people and I love shaking hands. I love making deals happen. I absolutely hate filling out transaction paperwork. Mm -hmm. We're making, we're making all that stuff happen for them. So we have transaction coordinators for every deal. If you're going to sell real estate, Mm -hmm. um, and partner with side, it means you're going to have a real estate transaction coordinator, uh, because we want to take the minutia off your plate. So that the real estate broker or agent can be doing what they do best. And that's building relationships and selling real estate. Yeah. Amazing. How do you find these brokers? How do you, how do you like, do I go out and like tap someone on the shoulder and be like, you, you're going to work great with us. One of the beauties of my job is that I'm not responsible for that. So um, (laughs) uh, that was, that was a pain point in my, in my last role um, is that I, I think that branch managers and managing brokers and designated brokers, their talents aren't necessarily recruiting. We get hired into these yeah. roles because we're good at real estate. And there's a big difference mm-hmm. between being really good at real estate and being really good at recruiting. Recruiting is its own thing. It has its own talents. For me, yeah. I just get to come in the end and sort of like help close the deals. We have a whole team that goes out and looks for partners. So that's one of the differences is that we're not looking for just licenses to come hang out with us. What we're looking are for partners, mm-hmm. people who are hustlers who are innovative and who are most importantly entrepreneurs people who want to grow Mm -hmm. business if their values align with our product offering then it's a good partnership where is side where are you landing so we are from coast to coast at this point and Mm -hmm. in between we have a presence and I want to say around 16 markets right now with a plan to expand nationally over the, the next several years. Here's one of the yeah. things that I really appreciate appreciate about Side is that they are thoughtful about everything. They're not just going to mm-hmm. go set up shop because they think they can find partners in every state. They're going to do it right yeah. so they can right. offer the right product offering to each partner in each individual state. Because it's different, I it's bet. Different. Yes. It's different. It's different. Dramatically. Yeah. So even things like Washington and Oregon. I work really yeah. closely with the managing broker of Oregon, uh, Tamara Taylor. Mm-hmm. And just the nuances between how we sell real estate and how Oregon sells real estate mm-hmm. is interesting. Mm-hmm. And then we have those Oregon and Washington dual licensees uh, that we have yes. to, you know, uh, yeah. Are you, are you one, are you one of them? I am not. No, I've just been in this business two years and I would consider that in the future, but for now I'm just like, Whoa, I've got my hands full. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we do both. Yeah. And there was a while there during COVID when Oregon and Washington were, were doing really different things from oh, each gosh. other. And it was really oh. hard to keep up with both States. And, and during COVID we were practicing in California as well. And so we were doing all oh. three States towards the end there. They all started to uh-huh. line up, which was great. My big question for you is, so if I'm a Keller Williams agent or if I'm a Windermere agent or if I'm a Google yeah. Banker Bain agent, my name is going to be on the sign, but it's going to be smaller than and it's going to be below the company that I work for. And so if I'm if I'm partnering with Side, is it going to be like Side presents Justin Reardon? Like, is that the same? Am I going to start no. seeing Side signs like all over the place? You're never going to see a Side sign. So full stop, okay. Side is, it does it's not consumer facing. So- Ah. What we do is we go in and we build out individual brands for our partners. 
So Amy, for you, I'm not sure yeah. what your market area is, but let's say it's just, let's say it's downtown Portland. Okay. Mm-hmm. And if that was your market area and that's the hottest okay. market right exactly. now, the country exactly. downtown so, Portland at this right. moment. So yeah. we would go, we would come in, partner with you uh-huh. and create Amy sells downtown. And that would be mm-hmm. your brand. We would get an assumed name, yeah. a doing business as, and Because we have those assumed name licenses, you then can go out and advertise your services without ever mentioning side. It's brilliant. So we're building businesses, building identity and brand recognition around the individuals who are actually selling the real estate. Amy sells downtown. (laughs) Sounds a lot like (laughs) Dallas. I want it to be a porno video. I'm just saying, I'm, I think it might be a lesbian Uh-oh. video. I'm not sure. There you, you go, think, Justin. Are you, are there you, you in? Go. I'll produce it. I'll produce it for you. Yeah. <laughs> no, oh, that's okay. Go ahead. That's that okay. doesn't surprise either of us, I'm <laughs> that's, sure, Justin. That's, okay. that's where this goes. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Scott, this is so, it's so interesting. You must just be kind of dealing with different things every day. What It just sounds like such a remarkable idea. It, it is dealing with different things every day because what we're trying to do is build a platform that provides the the services that real estate professionals need and and want and are required to have. And that's where I Mm -hmm. come in a lot of it is the required to have (laughs) part is the compliance and oversight. That's where I spend a big chunk of of what I do. And then scalability. So then building out the systems and tools within side in order for us to scale and grow uh, to a significant level to have a, a really good presence and market share. While I say that, we're not for everyone. And we we believe that the real estate industry and community is a big tent. And mm-hmm. and that within that tent, there are opportunities for different professionals. And so we're not yeah. out there looking for everyone to come and partner with Side. What we're really looking at, like I said before, are those, are those entrepreneurs, those hustlers, those people who identify that they have something different to offer the consumer and they want to partner with Side because they recognize the value that Side's platform can provide to their business. And it's it's really interesting because it's it is this very quiet force that's under the radar. And I guess it would come down to like if Amy produces her company and she's going and she's doing this thing, and then I go to her and I'm like, I you know I worked for X company X for a long time and I, they've been my broker for a long time. I really want to start my own business. How did you do it so quickly and so successfully? And she's like, Oh, have you heard of Sign? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, No, I have not. And so that is that kind of a word of mouth. Is this going to be super important for you guys? Or I would hope reputation would drive that word of mouth because what we really want to do is do it right. We don't want to do it necessarily the fastest. We want to do it the best. And we want to make Mm -hmm. sure that we're meeting the needs of of our consumers, which are partners, uh, which are the professionals uh, out there selling real estate. So I heard about this because I have been following your Instagram for a long time. And your Instagram had like a second coming, uh, I don't know, a couple of months ago. Like all of a sudden it was like, whoa, something changed here. And this Instagram is looking like fantastic. Can you talk a, a little bit about like what this transition of your social media presence has gone through? And- professional social media management. That's what this is. <laughs> it's professional right. social media yeah. management. Okay. I made goal to myself in Q4 of last year that in 2022, I would have a stronger social media presence in order to build my own brand awareness and reputation within the real estate community. So I decided to partner with Brandtegic, which is a local social media management company here in the uh, in the Seattle area, for them to create and produce and distribute my my social media content. While it looks all okay. snazzy and it, and it looks like I spend 
a shit ton of time doing uh, social media. I don't. <laughs> I spend about <laughs> mm, six hours a month on it, um, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. And that's between working with my account manager and uh, to edit and create content um, and then also filming. That's like an hour and 15 minutes a week. Do you feel like it's still authentic 100% because everything that is produced is in my voice. We go through, like, on Friday, we have a call to talk about my next month's reels. So we'll go through, we'll pick out topics. Mm-hmm. I'll spend about a half an hour on each topic and script it out. I'll send it over to my account manager. She'll copy edit it. She'll send it back to me. I'll tweak it. And then I'll go into the studio to film it. Uh, and it, it is me. I think that everything everything you hear is, are, are my words. Um, tell us about your hardest day in real estate. Like, when was the day that you were like, Ugh, why am I doing this? My hardest day in real estate, I would probably say when I had a buyer terminate a transaction three days before closing on a on a widow who had just lost her husband. So you were representing the seller. I was representing the buyer. So this is why it was oh. really hard. Oh, 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 you were literally the bad guy. I oh, had no. to be the bad guy. Oh. I was so upset. My client, I offered to buy the house. Did you do I, it? We didn't end up buying it, but I was yeah. so upset over it that yeah. I felt like I had to make it right, even though it wasn't my it wasn't my doing. Yeah. You know, it, 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 I just was so upset because this poor little old lady now yeah. has to go and restage her house again, has to get it all ready for mm-hmm. market all over again, and find a, a a buyer. Thankfully, it didn't take that long for another buyer to come through. Three days, but oh. yeah. um, I was. Ooh. Is that how you delivered the news? Were you like, I, I, I have some bad news, but also some good news because I'll buy your house from you. I, I did. I have really bad news, but I'm going to try to make it right. And Aww. the other agent on the other side was just flabbergasted. She was like, Aww. you're going to what? I was like, we're going to try and buy this. So if we can, if we can make it work, then we'll, then we'll do it. We couldn't end up making it work, but I, at least I feel good that I tried to help resolve the problem, even though it wasn't necessarily my problem to solve. Um, it was just, it, that was my hardest experience in real estate, hardest day. Tell us about your absolute best day in real estate. So it's really hard for me to identify one. However, there's one, one common experience that is always the best. And that's when you have a new agent sell their first home. There's there is not a more rewarding feeling as a managing broker than to know that you are helping someone else radically change their lives. Real estate offers a, that opportunity and when you work with someone from their infancy of a of a green brand new little agent to the opportunity to close their first deal, those are feelings and goosebumps that just are are amazing. Mm-hmm. Those are, th- that's so my best good. So we were talking a little bit before you came in when you were back taking your surfing lesson this morning. Yes. Uh, we were talking a little bit about this idea of the the recession is coming, the downfall is coming, yeah. the crash is coming. We're seeing interest rates going up. We're seeing uh, gas prices go up. We're seeing inflation starting. The sun will not be shining for as long as it has been. And so we're wondering, um, you know, you're very experienced. You're also very bright. What are some of the things that you are doing to prepare for when the market is not as lucrative as it has been in the past you know, five years? I think it's really important that we prepare, just like you're saying. And, and we need to do this because there's so many real estate agents out there who have never lived 
in a buyer's market or worked in a buyer's market, I guess I should say, worked in a buyer's market. And so what we need to do is prepare them for that whole new strategy and that whole new negotiation. Like, oh, you're going to be able to ask for maybe for some like seller concessions. What the hell is a seller concession? What What is that? Yeah. 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 Talk about that. What's it? What does that look like? Because our audience is all like these, these new agents, people who are thinking about becoming agents. What's a seller? Well, I mean, so you need to be able to ask for, um, help with financing, ask for some points, ask for repairs. Imagine that. (laughs) I know. Ask for the repairs, maybe not off of offer a full price offer. Maybe go in a little low. And what does that look like? How do you make an offer that's respectful? Because we don't want to ever disrespect people. Disrespectful um, offers um, do nothing for anyone involved in the transaction. That's one of my personal things. And so how do we craft offers that represent the true value of the home while taking into consideration the needs and wants of all the parties? Even knowing where that line of respectful versus disrespectful is. Like, where, what is the point where you're going to piss somebody off? And I think sometimes... <laughs> We do something where we think we're being very respectful, and we did. We do this thing at Spade and Archer where we send a list of what we call priority preparations. This is what we would do to get the house ready for market. And we had a client get super mad at us, like, "How dare you tell me, a real estate agent who's been working in this market for thirty five years or whatever, whatever the number was, how dare you tell me how to prepare my house?" And we're like. Uh, it's not a requirement. This is a list of suggestions. Everyone likes a second opinion. You can feel free to ignore it. And they kind of like shot down a little bit. But I think knowing what that tone is, how it comes across, like as a new agent, knowing, being able to run it by you and be like, hey, is this going to piss this person off? Right. Can you please edit this for bitchiness? Well, yeah. like, and it's, but also it's, it's not always just what the numbers and the words are on a page. It's how that information is delivered. So if you are coming in below list, how are you going to deliver that information to the listing broker? Are you just going to email it to them and be like, oops, hope they like it? Or are you actually going to take the time to call them and walk them through how you got to the to, to the decision that your client and you made in order to 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 button up this offer. It's all about communication. Okay. It's all about respect. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that if we can help agents um, communicate with empathy and communicate clearly, then uh, we can have more successful transactions. I did this yesterday. I wrote a hard email that was tough because somebody was like, hey, uh, you didn't include my discount code. Well, when we asked you to put a discount code, you, you wrote, yes, I have one. Uh, that is not the discount code, so I can't give it to you. But I had to craft a letter that basically was like, if you have the discount code, please send it over to us. We're more than glad to change the contract for you. But I had to Zoom with Cole, the guy who runs the company, and have him read the email over my shoulder and be like, is this, does this seem bitchy? Am I being too much? And he's like, let's change this part and change that. He actually unniced it a little bit, oh. which made it sound less condescending. Oh. Because I had used terms like, if you would be so kind as, oh. which oh. could come across mm. as condescending. He was like, he's like, just write, please provide. And I'm like, oh, okay, got it. Okay, yeah. I can do, yeah. Uh, I've, um, I, that's going to become super important. Very, right? very important. You know, language matters, words matter. Um, and how they're delivered matters. Scott, where's the best place for folks to find you? Uh, Instagram. Well, what's your handle? Uh, it's the Scott Dickinson, D-I-C-K-I-N-S-O-N. Uh, so the Scott Sweet. Dickinson on Instagram. Find me there. Highly recommended. Uh, if you're a newer agent, uh, go and check out, even if you're an older agent, go and check out those videos because it's just a lot of like really good nuggets. Oh. How long is your average video? They're no longer than a minute. 
Yeah, like a minute long. Yeah. And it's just these little great reminders of like things we should all be doing. And not only in real estate, like even in just business, Ooh. it's good business practice. I'm going to go so check them out. I highly recommend a follow <laughs> yeah, on this absolutely. one. Yeah. Amy, you haven't checked them out yet? Jeez, no, come on. I know, I know. Come <laughs> on. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Where can people find out more about Side? Uh, if people want to find out more about Side, they can contact me directly and I can uh, okay. route them to the appropriate individual for them to continue a conversation. Okay. Alternatively, you can just... Do they have a web Side yep, just like go that? to side.com, sideinc.com. 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 Okay, yep. Um, so I didn't get a chance to meet Ryan yet. Would you mind if I go back and hang out with you if you want to continue your surfing lesson for a little while? I would love that. <laughs> Amy, I'll be right back. I promise it won't be more than an sure, hour. Sure, Justin, whatever you say. <laughs> <laughs> Scott Dickinson is so, wow. so flipping smart, man. Oh yeah. my goodness. Yeah. And just a nice guy. That was so much fun just hearing his story and kind of how this all came about. It's just remarkable. I was a little bummed that Ryan Reynolds was not wearing Speedos. He had on board shorts, but you know, surfing. <laughs> I understand you got to wear board shorts when you're on a board. I get it. Okay. Justin, fine. you can't have it all. <laughs> I, know, I, know. <laughs> I mean, you can, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, not Ryan Reynolds in a Speedo. That's where the line is drawn. <laughs> so I love this idea of like creating your own kind of brand, your own business under this umbrella of side. And I'm wondering, mm-hmm. like, what is it that, that you do to like create your brand? How do you know what your brand is? is supposed to be. You know what I mean? You know, I think that there are people who are so remarkably good at answering that question. I mean, I just look around at just thinking about real estate agents. Like I look around at the people that I knew even before I stepped into this business and kind of what they created around themselves. And no matter what umbrella they're under, you know, whether it's, you know, Windmere or Living Room or Urban Nest or whatever. You just named like three amazing brands. Yes, Um, absolutely. 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 That's funny. I was taking it down to an even smaller level of like just agents creating their own brands underneath that. But yes, I mean, I I think about the living rooms marketing. Everybody knows it with the faces. Which was really different when they first started. Yes, When they first started. So living rooms branding now is like uh, red and white, mostly with like some robin's egg blue attached to it. It's really Mm -hmm. funky. It's super fun. It speaks to like homemade and kitchen, like so Portland, like we can our own vegetables. But originally it was dark brown with white circles that had lines like connecting the circles to them. It was one of the like, (laughs) signs like blended into the background and Janelle went through probably I'm going to say 10 years ago and redid that brand and kind of reinvented it and it's it has been amazing but I'm sure that that brand exercise was hard when I think about like how do you start that conversation I mean I think it comes down to like who are you what are your values we just did we actually just did that exercise um about a year ago we went through and we we redefined re kind of like a I don't know um uh distilled our core values. And the exercise was really fun. Do you want to walk you through it? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we picked two employees that we felt most exemplified what Spade and Archer is, and then we picked two celebrities that we felt... would work really, really well in our company. Wait, wait, was one of them Ryan Reynolds in a Speedo? <laughs> it was not. 
<laughs> okay, okay, just kidding. So, uh, okay, was, celebrities. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It was Chuck Norris and Oprah Winfrey of all people. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> neither of which I picked. We took these these four human beings and kind of one at a time we wrote down all of the qualities that those people embody. And so mm-hmm. you know it was like they're very timely, they're really nice, they're honest. Whatever these words were, these descriptors of if you go to like the Joe Hari window on online, you can find, I think it's like 300 descriptors of people, of traits of people, everything positive and negative. Um, and so we went through and described the the two employees. Then we went through and did the same thing with all of the uh, the celebrities, and we described all of their qualities. Then we took all those words and we started to group them into clouds. And so if you had something that says like never lies, and it also said honesty, those would go in a cloud together. Thoughtfulness, kindness, empathetic, those were words that kind of like all got grouped together. Then once we had those groups, we decided, okay, so we have like 15 groups now, and there's like two weird outliers or whatever, words that didn't really group with anything else. We decided to like pick the captain of each group. And so if they have a, <laughs> if you have a, a word cloud that's like 15 different words, you pick the word that you think best exemplifies all those other words. And we brought it down to, I think we brought it down to just four words. How long did that take? About five hours. Yeah, of just talking and walking through Interesting it. process. Yeah. With one yeah. person like at a big whiteboard with big humongous post-it yeah. notes, like doing that whole thing. So we came down to four words that are our core values. It was a graceful, thoughtful, adept, and tenacious were the four words that describe our company and what we want to be. Because graceful is one of those things where you're like, you never say like, oh, I'm very graceful. Graceful is one of those things that like, you wait until the shit hits the fan. And when that (laughs) happens, you're like, and now it is time for me to practice my gracefulness at this moment. Yes. And so that's probably the hardest one of our core values, the one we end up talking about the most, because it requires such restraint in moments of stress. Um, yeah. It's a tough one. That's a really tough one. We used to talk about in the mental health world that, you know, your values are the things that you're driving towards. Like yeah. the goals are the things that you can get to. Yeah. You arrive. Yeah. The value is the thing in the sunset that you're always trying to get to. And it's so graceful always, is just like yes. that thing that's out there that you're moving towards as much as you can. Yeah, it's a tough one. You know, and like yesterday we had a client. It's good friends of ours. We're staging their house. They had a rental house for a long time and they wanted to sell it. They, so they went through. We staged it on Thursday. So we staged it on on Tuesday, went over Tuesday night. I got texts from both of them like, oh my gosh, I'm so impressed with Spade and Arch. This house is so beautiful. I wish we had lived here like this in the first place. <laughs> All the things that people say, right? Yes. Um, I got the text messages that night. I called her on Wednesday morning and I was like, hey, I'm super glad things went well. Thanks so much for including us, yada, yada, yada. And then I walk into a meeting and I get another frantic, like a call from her like five minutes later. I was like, oh, she must have forgot to say something. But I was like, hey, I'll call you later. And she shoots me a video and it's a video of the living room with all of our staging furniture in it and water is pouring through the ceiling. This is yesterday morning. So I finished up my meeting and I call her up. I'm like, what is going on? She's like, we were over here last night. We disconnected the washing machine and we oh. turned off the water in the house and we stuck the hoses in the wall because you're going to bring a new dishwasher, a new washing machine over here today. Oh. But overnight something happened and the whole second floor flooded, which then flooded the first floor, which then flooded the crawl space and all your stuff is wet. And she's like in tears, freaking out. And I was like, okay, Ugh. first off, do you have insurance? She's like, yes. I'm like, you're in good shape. Don't worry. It's okay. I know you're planning to go on the market next week. You're still very early in the season. We have lots, lots of time 
to get this done. How can I help you? She's like, I need to call a contractor. I'm like, okay, great. Here's my contractor's name. Uh, tell him that I sent you. Tell him it's an emergency. He will take care of you. She's like, okay, great. No problem. So then um, she's like, is there any chance that you can get a crew over here and help us get this furniture out of the way so that we can start the, the ceiling repairs tomorrow morning, 8 a.m. And I was like, absolutely. So I call, I made some phone calls. Five minutes later, I was like, my team is on their way out to you. And then they, way they went through, they did all their thing. They got back. They were home on time and everything. But she shot me a text message this morning and she said, your crew was so amazing. Before they left, they wanted to make sure that I was okay. And I was uh, like, oh, uh, uh, this is literally being yes. graceful in action and thoughtful yes. and like you're living kind our core and, values. Yes, Thank you yes. so much. And this is like literally it's when the like the water was like coming into the house. Yeah. We had this moment where we got to like live our core values. I think the yep. second part of putting together a brand is identifying what your core purpose is and what your core product is. Core product is easy. Like what is it that yeah. you do? And so for yeah. us, we came down to this very easy sentence of we provide exceptional home stage you made easy. Uh, mm-hmm. That is what we do. Core purpose I think is more difficult. So when we're looking at something like core purpose, Apple is a great example. Their core purpose is to think differently. Uh, GE, we bring good things to life. This isn't talking about their products, about what they do on a regular basis. And so we fought and argued and discussed gracefully and thoughtfully, adeptly and, uh, and tenaciously for probably three weeks on this one. And we came down to that our core purpose in life as a business is to bring beauty to life. Mm. And so whether that is walking into a really ugly house and making it beautiful for somebody or whether it's providing really good benefits so that our employees have a beautiful life, we're trying to make everything beautiful around us at all times. We try to take things that are ugly and make them beautiful in our everyday Mm -hmm. lives. And so answering those three questions, what are your core values? What is your core purpose? And what is your core product? That's the first start of creating a really strong brand. Once you have those things done, then every Every question that you have is answered by those three things. So, yep. Amy, what's the best place for folks to find you? Uh, I am easily found at amyromberg.com. Ah, that is such a good website. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, our music is written, produced, and performed by Joff Metz. You can find him at fivestarguitars.com. I would love to say thank you so much to Scott Dickinson for coming out today. And for all the folks that have written to us asking to be on the show, um, I really appreciate it. Thank you for it for listening and for reaching out to us. If you have a story that you would like to tell, uh, please reach out to us. You can find us at spade-archer.com. Click on the podcast link and uh, it'll be a link for there to reach out and say hi to us. And uh, that's the best place to find us. Is there anything else you should talk about at the end of the show? Yeah, I remember. Thank you so much to Richie for being our awesome editor. You do a fantastic job. Woo-hoo, and always make us Richie. sound smart. <laughs> um, and we'll see you next time. Behind the Yard Sign. This production of Behind the Yard Sign was brought to you live from the Spade and Archer Studios. Spade and Archer Design Agency is the world's first guaranteed home stager.